Hey everybody in Serial Killer Country. My name is Brittany Ransom. And my name is Brian Joyner. And this is When Killers Got Caught, a podcast devoted to deep dives into the lives and psyches of the killers we all love to learn about. Each week, Brian and I find a true crime story that resonates with us. Then I discuss one well-known or lesser-known killer and go deep into their childhood lives, methodology, and most importantly, how they got caught. And then we get a little spooky and we learn something about the supernatural, paranormal, cryptids. That's uh, what Brian gives us. (laughs) But this week in true crime, we... (laughs) How do I say this? I'm going to ask a question first. Are you ready, Brian? Uh, I'm always ready. ready. So you are out uh, and you know you're... uh, Maybe you've been uh, imbibing. You've had something to smoke, something to drink. Okay, usually drink. Okay, and uh, you're out. You're 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 a little you're a little toe up, and you're like, ah, I need a ride. Who do you call? Oh, um, <laughs> I know you want to call Ghostbusters, but <laughs> well, you set me up for it. God damn it! Um, <laughs> you didn't say it. I was looking like I should I say it or <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't know. Um, uh, it depends. Cause if I'm if I'm really drunk, I'll call Uber. Cause I don't really care who's driving me. But if I'm like tipsy, I'm like, okay, Lyft. Cause I know, like they they. <laughs> you have a preference. Yeah. You know that it's all the same drivers, right? They no. they're on both apps. I I've seen that too. At least in this area. Yeah, I know a couple yeah. other places. Not so. Much. Some of the drivers I I I know too. But anyway, continue continue. Well, perhaps you are like this man from Florida. Um, another Florida story. Let's another. Go. His name is Matthew Lethem. And it was Sunday morning in Pasco County when he uh, called 911 for a ride home. Oh, what, what was wrong with him? He was high. He was high. On, he was smoking. And oh. He was high. And he didn't know how to get home. Oh, my God. Come on now. <laughs> if No, if I'm high, I'm going to sit there for a little bit. And you could drive while you're well. So here's the not thing. really. No, don't There's do that, not, please. No, don't, 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 don't Slow do that. Reaction times. Bad, bad, bad. Yeah, don't, don't drive when you're high. Um, no, I mean he might have been real high. I mean if he was calling nine one one. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so the the nine one one operator very calmly told him, "We we don't we're not who you call because you can't get home." Right. Yeah. And they hung up. So he called back again. Why? This time though. Um. He started, uh, well, for he told them that he didn't have any money. Um, and the, <laughs> he started screaming and cursing at the 911 operator. At this point, she was just like, where are you? And he told her and she dispatched a cop, a cop to come get him. Obviously, because you're yelling at me over the phone. I'm only going to get a cop to come pick your ass up. Um, so when the cops showed up, um, the officer located him, uh, arrested him for oh. possession of marijuana. Obviously. Uh, uh, also for, I believe the term, there's a term they used here. It was goofy, but I, I don't, I guess it's like public mis- intoxication. Before? Not just that, but like misusing 911. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's, that makes mm-hmm. sense. And the best thing about him, I just want you to take a moment here as I, zoom into his booking photo oh my fucking god <laughs> ryan is reacting to the tattoo of the state of florida 
dead center where one might say your third eye is. Yeah, that's exactly where it's at. <laughs> like in between there and the bridge of your nose, kind of. Mm-hmm. What the hell? So not only is he Florida, like, he's like, listen, Florida man, that's my life. That is my that's, that's my legacy. That's my essence. That's who I am. I am Florida man. Fear me. Oh, my God. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> that happened. That happened, actually, uh, in the beginning of February. Oh, okay. But I just thought it was very delightful. It, that's um pretty freaking... So if you're listening, kids, only call 911 when you're in trouble. Emergency only, please. Not when you can't afford an Uber. No, you can call your friends, call your siblings, even call your parents if you really need a ride. True. Like, hey, mom, I, look, I'm a little... Listen, I'm sure a parent would rather you yeah, exactly. call them because you got drunk at a party versus you trying to handle that yourself. Like if, so. if me and my mom lived in the same city, I would call I'd probably be able to call her like, Mom, can you give me a ride? Why? What's wrong? You are a grown man. <laughs> Don't so, you dare. I look, if I was broke from the bar, I was like, I spent all my money at the bar. I got nobody else. Money at the bar. Who are you buying drinks for, Brian? Okay, this, this is, <laughs> don't, 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 what, don't. Wait, what strong-armed woman has coerced you out of your money? Look here, <laughs> she was nine feet tall. <laughs> she was very pale skin. Her name was Lady Demetrescu. She yes, she just very um. Oh, what's the word? Persuasively asked me to buy her some red wine. So oh yeah, you know maiden's blood. Yeah, of course. <laughs> We may have been playing Resident Evil last night. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> but what's your story? Well, speaking of vampires. <laughs> yes, yeah, a segue. Um, so apparently, Dracula's castle in Romania has been, I guess, it's it's a place where you can go, where Romanians can mm-hmm. go and get their COVID vaccines. I heard about this. How yeah, cool. It's Awesome. You, I didn't look at the story. I just saw like the news title and went, that's cool. And then I kept scrolling. <laughs> so please give me the details. Okay. Yeah. So apparently, um, the, so yeah, a COVID-19 vaccination center has been set up on, um, you know, in Bronze Castle, um, which is, you know, of course, behind Dracula's home in Bram Stoker's 19th century gothic novel, Dracula. Um, now, so, was that really the home of Vlad the Impaler? I don't think so. Okay. No. Because I heard that that's it who doesn't, the... Yeah, that, that's who Dracula is based off of. Inspiration is, yes. yeah. Um, now, it says every weekend through May, vaccination marathons will be held just outside the storied 14th century hilltop castle. So, cool. you, don't, you don't need an appointment at all. And nice. I, I think it. I read that um, this past Saturday, they did... Uh, all vaccinations in the country all became appointment free. Oh, dope. After 2 p.m. Cool. So, yeah, that's awesome. I loved it. And then. Hey, go uh, get vaccinated, people. Yes. Especially if you're in Romania. I mean, absolutely. Just give yourself um, a chance to have a fun time. Yeah. Um, it says that we want to give, want to show people a different way to get the needle, aka the vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, that's funny. And um, it says that the the medical workers are they have fangs, which is awesome. 
and shut up <laughs> wow and, so they're really leaning into this and having a good time yeah yeah and then i i guess um the people who i guess people benefit with free entry to the castle's torture rooms as well oh so you get to like go have fun at a historical place yeah it's yeah oh for that's free you're getting your damn vaccine like oh i would totally do that for something here like yeah exactly one of my favorite places in pennsylvania is eastern state penitentiary so you want them to show you around where they did the lobotomies and stuff like that? I've already seen it. Oh, okay. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> when I lived in Philadelphia, it was a place I like to visit a lot. We'll do this. Ready to do this every weekend. Not every weekend. <laughs> Not every weekend. Every other weekend, my bet. Oh, goodness. And my favorite thing was, have you ever been here before? And then being the person that introduces people to that. Oh, nice, nice. I've never been there. See, we can go when we go to Philadelphia. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. My friends would like to hang out. All my friends uh, who used to, you know, who I used to hang out with all the time. The the whole notion, though, is are, are we in a place where we can visit a big city yet? Huh. I, I mean, don't know. People live in big cities. True, true, true. My sister lives there. She's been asking me, like, hey, can you come? You know, are you going to visit again soon? And I, I'm like, I'm thinking about it. I don't know. I mean, I don't see why not. You got your vaccine. True. Doesn't stop you from getting it, though. It just stops you from dying from it. (laughs) An important distinction. Yes, very true. Very true. Um, So, yeah, that's what I got. Yeah, no, that's That's, totally. I I love that they're being like super like goofy about it, too. Absolutely. I would love to go. Well, actually, it says. I would like to go to Romania, sure. uh, Absolutely. Um, And it also says if you're like trying to visit there to get your COVID vaccine, um, it's only. You you can only get it if you're a Romanian resident. So. Oh. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, because you can't even make it into the country without having gotten your vaccine at that point. Yeah. You can't go there just. Well, you can still visit the castle, though. Yeah. I don't need to go for free. I'll support (laughs) the community. Oh, aren't you nice? Yeah, that's good stuff. Mm-hmm. A super fun idea. Smart. We haven't had the best luck with certain vaccine stuff here, but. When Killers Get Caught is sponsored by the Magic Class Boutique. Now, why does that name sound so familiar? Well, it's because it's a business ran by our very own Brittany. That's right, the Magic Class Boutique is not only a black-owned business, it's a woman-owned as well. This is a jewelry company that makes some pretty awesome earrings, ranging from cute little sushis to spooky mermaid skeletons. There are even adorable self-defense keychains for those just-in-case moments. And introducing the Serial Collection. This set of earrings is based off of serial killers and the official merch for the podcast. This collection features everything a serial killer would need to pull off their crimes, from hunting knives at the beginning of their crimes to warding keys for when they eventually get caught. Check out themagicclasp.com today where you can use our promo code CAUGHT to receive 15% off of your online order. That's T-H-E-M-A-G-I-C-C-L-A-S-P dot com and use promo code CULT for 15% off and make sure you tell Brittany that I sent you.
So, I'm not sure if you are aware, Brian. I'm not aware of many things. <laughs> Last month on TikTok, I did a little series of videos and I called them Snapped. People who had like kind of like out of nowhere, it seemed like they just sort of like snapped and killed people. Mm-hmm, I've seen them. Um, and I covered Amy Bishop um, and the mass shooting at the University of Alabama in Huntsville on February 12, 2011. And on the surface from a couple of the news articles I looked at, it seemed kind of like an open and shut case. She was this really arrogant professor who had been denied tenure and then went to a staff meeting and started shooting people. But at the prodding of some of our fans, I picked up a book called A Professor's Rage. Ooh. Um, and there was a lot more to this woman than just this shooting. But even that had some intricacies I wasn't aware of. And there's just a, a lot that went on in this woman's life before she got to that moment. Mm-hmm. So just like I normally do, we'll talk about the history here. But unlike most of the people I talk about in this podcast, uh, Amy Bishop didn't have a troubled childhood. She was born April 24th, 1965 to Judy Sanburn and Sotir Zagles. And I know I'm not saying his name right. He is Greek. Okay. Um, her mother was from an old like New England family in Exeter, New Hampshire. Very wealthy. Uh, her father was raised by his immigrant family in a Greek neighborhood in Somerville. He joined the Air Force in 1954, and when he got done, he changed his name to Sam Bishop. Both Judy and Sam met at the New England School of Art in Boston, uh, Massachusetts, and just like their upbringing was very different, personality-wise, they were very different, too. Uh, Judy was very loud and gregarious, and Sam was reserved and quiet. Hmm. Yeah, totally not like anybody we know. No, not at all. Uh Judy uh, used to tell people, I chased him until he caught me. Oh, it's adorable. In regards to their coupling. Uh, in 1964, the couple moved to Iowa City. Sam worked at night as a janitor, and during the day, he was doing his graduate studies in fine arts at the University of Iowa. Uh, Amy was born a year later. Uh, she's described in many of the sources I looked at as being this bright and creative kid. She would arrange her toys in elaborate parades around the house. Uh, 1968, they moved back to Massachusetts. Sam got a teaching job in the art department at Northeastern University. It's a pretty prestigious university. And then later that year, Amy's younger brother, Seth, was born in Braintree, Massachusetts. Hmm. Uh, Braintree is kind of a middle-class suburb, slightly south of Boston. It's at the edge of a town called Blue Hills. Uh, And at the end of the Vietnam War, it became an area where many Irish and Italian families moved Mm -hmm. to sort of get away from the cityness of the city if you know what i mean so um, it's called braintree right it is called braintree so i'm guessing you have to have a lot of brains to live there right we'll see about that God damn it. <laughs> actually it's kind of the opposite um it's a bit of a, a town of like athletes jock city oh what the heck is so okay whatever <laughs> <laughs> uh the family were kind of outsiders at the first because it was definitely very irish italian um, but Judy Bishop was just, just relaxed and casual and just really friendly person. And very quickly she got invited to like, be a part of like the local town council. She was participating in the local government. Um, she even started drawing editorial cartoons in the local newspapers. Hmm. 
Amy growing up had some health problems. She had severe asthma and spent much of her childhood being rushed to the emergency room. She was attracted to the sciences because of this experience, which is what she ended up studying. Um, She played violin starting in third grade and shortly after her brother Seth joined her, something that she wasn't entirely all that happy about, but her parents kind of shrugged it off as a normal sibling rivalry. Mm Mm-hmm. Amy was very competitive, but she she did love her brother, and they did a lot of art and music activities together. They were both very shy, studious kids in a town that was super into sports. Got it. See, they got their brains to the brain tree. <laughs> uh, Seth was a really adventurous kid, her, her younger brother. He would take his bike out and go on like little journeys around to like surrounding towns. He would draw maps. Oh, wow. Uh he was also a very bold kid. Uh, in an interview with the New Yorker, friends told them about the story about how he was being bullied for playing violin and he was carrying his violin with him at school. And the bullies were like, yeah, well, why don't you take it out and play it? So he was like, bet, and pulled it out and started like playing like a full, like awesome piece in front of everybody. And they're like, oh, what did we do? Now exactly. he's popular. Oh, no. <laughs> um. That, you know, that kind of confidence is definitely rare in a kid. Definitely. And that was like middle school. 100%. Um, I talk about Amy's brother because their relationship is very important in her life. Because there is a just life-altering situation that happens mm. uh, shortly after this. Gotcha. Um, one night in 1985... Uh, Judy and Sam came home from Sam's father's wake. The house had been destroyed. Um, Amy no longer lived there because she was in college at Northwestern. Um, Thieves stole Judy's wedding ring, family heirlooms. Judy put letters in the paper begging for the return of these like commemorative like silver cups for both of the children's birth. Dad went out and bought a 12-gauge shotgun. He, his response was, well, I want to protect myself. Mm-hmm. Both Judy and Amy objected because the statistics say that if you have a gun in your home, you are more likely to be killed by it than you are to kill an intruder. Mm-hmm. Um, Sam agreed to keep it in a locked box in his bedroom, unloaded, and the bullets would be kept in a separate area of the room to make both his wife and his daughter happy. Smart, smart. <clears throat> and uh, it turns out Judy and the statistics were correct. Because December 6, 1986, Judy called 911 and reported that Amy had shot her son, Seth, that she'd seen everything and that it was an accident. What? What? Huh? Yeah. How? Well, I'm going to tell you. The police arrived pretty quickly. And Judy opened the door covered in blood. Um, Seth was on the kitchen floor with a pretty serious chest wound. Amy had panicked and run out the door. Uh, The paramedics did their best to revive him. Uh, Judy told the police that Amy had come downstairs carrying her father's shotgun. She told her mother she'd been practicing loading it, but she didn't know how to unload it. When she turned to the other side of the weapon to show her mother, it went off. (sighs) Amy was 21 at the time, and the police put out a bulletin for her. They found her right away and took her to the police station, interviewed her. She told them that her family had been out. Her mom was at the stables with the horses. Her dad had gotten into an argument with her over something that she'd said. 
She said she'd gotten afraid of being alone there after the robbers. Mm -hmm. So she grabbed her dad's gun. Her dad taught her how to use it. And she loaded a couple of the bullets or the shells, I guess. The shells, yeah. yeah. She told them she accidentally shot her mirror in her room. And when she heard Seth come home, she'd asked him to unload it. Seth was pronounced dead at 3.08 p.m. He was 18 years old. Oh, poor guy. Yeah. Uh, They released Amy to her parents. Uh, with the intent that she would come and speak more with the police when she was a little bit less emotional. Mm-hmm. Um, while they had been gone, the neighbors came and cleaned up the kitchen so the fa- Bishop family didn't have to. Um, the community very much surrounded them and took care of them. Well, that's pretty nice. Great. Amy walked around in a bit of a daze. The medical examiner ruled the death an accident pending police investigation and then 11 days later, the DA released a report stating that this death was an accident. This is a seriously contested aspect of Amy Bishop's life. Was it because I think she did it on purpose or something? Well, other officers who were not on duty at the time did not support their superiors releasing a person who had essentially admitted to manslaughter. Mm-hmm. I mean, regardless of whether she wanted to or not, she did shoot someone. And several of them have actually gone on record saying they believe that it was because of her mother's access within the community that she'd even been allowed to go home that night. Oh, so they think that she shouldn't have been let go, basically. They don't think she would have been let go. Um, There was also a discussion that there was a cover-up. So the dispute here is that Judy was at the horse stables and that from the time... That she was there until she said she had come back. They don't think that she would have had the time to get back and be there to witness the shooting. So there's an inconsistency there. Um, Other officers think that maybe it was Amy fighting with her brother and father before the shooting. The state police did another assessment in 1986 and they agreed with the local police. Uh, District Attorney Bill Delahunt uh, later... U.S. Congressman Delahunt didn't file any charges. Um, then all of a sudden, before like it could be federally looked into, records from the investigation went missing in 1988. Huh. So even if anyone else wanted to reinvestigate it, they couldn't. That's a little suspicious right there. Exactly. Uh, former Braintree Police Chief Frazier released a report in 2010 that was very different from the report in 1987. Those files that had been lost in 1988, they had found them and they had turned them over to the Norfolk County prosecutors and Norfolk agreed that with this information that there would be probable cause, probable cause to arrest Amy Bishop for murder and that there would have been that night. Oh, wow. So the question is, what was in those files? Well, remember I told you Amy panicked and left? Yeah. She took the shotgun with her. Of course she did. Why? And then she walked to an auto dealership where she threatened to shoot employees and tried to steal a car. What the? Okay. That does not sound like somebody who is accidentally murdering people. No, no, no. Um, She's trying to be on the run. mm Mm-hmm. God. Bare minimum, she should have been charged with assault with a deadly weapon, carrying a deadly weapon, unlawful possession of ammunition. Got nothing. Nothing. Um, and interestingly enough, the statute of limitations on those charges are long gone. Of course they are. 
However, (laughs) what's not is murder. Murder does not have a statute of limitations. Well, I would... uh... And so they did launch an inquest into that murder charge. And on June 16th, 2010, she was charged with first-degree murder and her brother's death 24 years after his shooting. Oh, wow. Now, this was after the horrible massacre at the uh, university. Yeah. So did he... This happened after she got arrested for that. So I think what it was was that after the, the university shooting... They were like, well, you know what? We she, should look into some other things from her She did kill past. some other people. Maybe she did kill <clears throat> her brother. That mm. was something that was pulled up loads of times in the TikTok comments. People were just like, yeah, no, she didn't just snap one day. She killed her brother. And I was like, I need to maybe look into that. Mm. Um, the Norfolk DA, uh, William Keating, only commented in the papers like, I can't give you an explanation. I can't give you excuses because there are none. Jobs weren't done. Responsibilities weren't met and justice wasn't served. And that's really unfortunate. And I bring that up early on in the story. I'm not quite following the the timeline of events here Mm. because if justice had been served, it would have saved uh, several people's lives decades later. If she had been charged with murder when she was 21, Oh, yeah, because she would have been... Right. This wouldn't have happened later on. But um, after Seth's death, Amy moved on with her life. Um, She never got therapy for what happened and began to act as if nothing happened after that. She graduated from Northeastern. She enrolled in a PhD program at Harvard in 1988. She married a fellow student from Northeastern who she had met before her brother died at school. So he knew about everything. Mm Mm-hmm. They got married in 1989, and she gave birth to her daughter, Lily, in 1991, and then two more daughters, Thea and Fedra. It took a few years and some pitfalls, but she did finally finish her Ph.D. program in 1993. It's 1993 that we come across the second criminal situation that is suspicious around Amy Bishop. So she was working at the Children's Hospital in Boston. And... While she was there, her supervisor in the neurobiology lab received a package containing two pipe bombs. Excuse me, what? (laughs) Yeah. Two pipe bombs. Uh, Neither of them exploded. Um, Thankfully. And this happened suspiciously. After Amy received a negative evaluation from her supervisor, and she'd gotten into a dispute oh. with him about the evaluation. Oh, so she really didn't just snap. <laughs> no. She... It was a really big deal. Um, and it was such a big, like, it was such a big argument and whatnot mm-hmm. over this evaluation that she actually resigned. Um, and said that she could not meet the standards required for the work. According to the witnesses who were there that day, they said that she was so upset. It was like she was on the verge of a breakdown. But this isn't where it ends. Because what happens next is that Amy's husband gets reported to the police via a tip line because he is overheard saying that he intends to shoot, stab, or strangle Amy's supervisor. Oh, wait. At home? His name is Rosenberg. In public. He said this where people could hear him. Um, of course, her husband, his name is Jim Anderson, yeah. denies ever saying these things. 
He told the police he had no idea who Supervisor Rosenberg even was. And how could the cops believe something just from a random tip line? I mean, it's a tip line. They got to look into it. That's what it's there for, you know? they look into it. But uh, the investigators looked into both Jim and Amy as suspects, uh, but they couldn't compel the couple to participate in the investigation. And, like, when I say they refused to cooperate, I'm telling you that they wouldn't even open their door for investigators. Oh, damn. And there wasn't enough evidence to force them to comply. Um, The chief federal prosecutor, U.S. Attorney Carmen Ortiz, reviewed the case and decided that they couldn't charge Amy with the bombing attempt. And that case is was never solved. So they don't know who. They don't know who. It's just very suspicious. It's very suspicious that, you know, she. The second, you know, as soon as she gets into a fight with her boss. Her boss suddenly has gets pipe bombs sent to his job of all places, which side note is a children's hospital. Yeah, that that's the thing that um, that's extra awful. Messed me up, really. Yeah. So, for a time after that situation, Amy, uh, Jim, and the children lived in her childhood home with her parents. This was a really convenient arrangement because uh, Amy Bishop trusted absolutely nobody with her kids. Except for her mother. Um, that was kind of short-lived, though, because Judy and Sam sold the house and moved to the city of Ipswich, which is about 30, 35 miles north of Braintree. Um, just basically saying that the house had a little bit too many ghosts. Huh. I mean, I, I, I'm i surprised, honestly. He got shot in... What was that? 1986? And they didn't move until like ninety four. Yeah, yeah. That's a that's a couple years they stayed there. Yeah. yeah, almost ten years. Just kind of feeling terrible about this being the place that their child died. Mm-hmm. So um, that makes sense. Yeah, I don't, yeah, no. In two thousand one, Amy gave birth to a baby boy. Oh, what do you think she named her baby after her uh, her brother? Yes, she did. She named her son Seth. Um, nobody in her friend circle knew the significance and they actually didn't know it until after she was arrested for the later crime. Oh, really? And a lot of people were like, I, I saw an interview where somebody was like, imagine sitting, talking to this woman about baby names and stuff. And she never mentions that Seth is the name of her, her deceased brother. The brother that she killed. Mm-hmm. The brother that she killed. Um, oh God. And she needed her baby after that. And not only is it weird, but baby Seth, was born on her brother's 33rd birthday. Oh, come on. You How do you plan that, though? How do you plan that? I don't think you can. It's just I like mean, a weird coincidence. You can, you can plan it? You think so? C-section? I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't go that deep into whether she had a C-section <laughs> or not. I'm not even sure I could have found that information. She, like, you could do the math to, you know... But yeah, they're still not perfect. I know, but that's why you can schedule a C-section. Um... I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I'm, I'm, don't don't quote me on that. I don't know women's bodies. I'm not a woman. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, all right. I, I, I know I ha- I've had two kids. I know you can schedule C-sections. Absolutely. <laughs> I just, okay. Just don't, don't kill me, please. <laughs> <clears throat> now, I'm going to tell you about a third situation where Amy Bishop did something illegal and nothing happened to her. Third situation. So she got the shotgun and pipe bombs and... This one's a little tamer um she was charged with and pled guilty to misdemeanor assault and disorderly conduct 
was she fighting some an an ex's girlfriend or something like that? It's absolutely ridiculous, but I'm going to tell you anyway. So according to a police report, Amy and her family went out to an IHOP one Saturday morning in 2002, and they requested a booster seat for baby Seth. Mm-hmm. The waitress was like, oh, I just gave the last one to that table over there. So Amy walked over to that table with the woman and began screaming and cursing at her. And when that didn't convince the woman to give up the booster seat, which I'm sure her child was sitting in at the time, Amy began punching this woman in the head while screaming, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Oh, lovely. (laughs) No, give me your full fucking name. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So, wait, she got upset because her kid didn't have a booster seat? Yep. Have them sit on somebody's lap. Because you went out to an IHOP on a Saturday morning. Do you not understand that Saturday and Sunday mornings are IHOP Central? Yeah, that's like breakfast for everybody. Oh, sorry. If you're in another country, it's the International House of Pancakes, and it's all right. It's not a bad place. My dad loved it. They they might have it, you know, other places in the... There could be a couple in the world, but I just realized we do have, like, (laughs) people who listen in, like, 60 countries. Yeah. So I don't know if every place has an IHOP, but yeah, it's a breakfast spot that's very popular. It's okay. Especially in the South. It's okay. I mean, listen, I prefer IHOP to Waffle House. I don't. What? I like the waffles. Really? Yes. See, I don't eat waffles like that. But honestly, I prefer an old-fashioned diner anyway. Hey, I'm with you on that. I love good diner food. Yes. Especially those 24-hour places. There's this one place in Lancaster. It's called, uh, I think it's Angie's. It's out on- I don't know. I've been to a bunch of diners out there. It's it's out by the, the Olive Garden. (laughs) <laughs> is this a- in a steamboat uh in oh okay i don't think i've been out there is to that diner they have pancakes as big as the dinner plates well then you know what next time we head out there that's a roll go yes i think i finished it once and not ever again oh i, I doubt i, would I, I think it, i was but... drunk that night that's why i finished it but anyway continue <laughs> <laughs> i help yes i help so uh in this situation after she punches a woman in the head and screams over and over again, I am Dr. Amy Bishop. Prosecutors gave her probation and recommended that she attend anger management classes. Absolutely. She was not ordered to do so, and she never went to them. I would have ordered her ass to do that, because that's assault. You get charged for that shit. Uh, at, to- at, at the time, like the prevailing thought in a lot of the different sources in the book I was reading, but also in like articles and stuff is that she was doing her postdoctoral research. She was very stressed. Don't give me that. Don't give me that. People who are stressed and that attack people, they still get sent to anger management. Listen, that's all you got to do though. You just plead guilty. You're just like, ah, yeah, you know what? I really did punch her in the head and scream at her. And they're like, ah, oh, perfect. And then they go, probation for you don't do that anymore man fuck that shit anyway <laughs> i'm sorry well, i'm sorry before i know before i before we even started tonight i said i was going to tell you a tale of white privilege <laughs> and i'm not i wasn't lying because i'm gonna tell you if this woman was not and like hire like an academic and a doctor and gone to harvard i don't think she would have been given nearly as much leeway man we would have been arrested for domestic abuse not even our partner yeah <laughs> So, you know, and she she came from a semi-wealthy family who were also academics. I, I think they were just, you know, and that's unfortunately the way that sometimes it works in the United States. You know, when you have that access. That's true. You, you get that hookup when it comes to the judicial system. Now, yeah. I think, uh, now that I think about it, her brother, 
You would have went to jail for that one, definitely. He said her brother would have gone to jail for getting no, shot. No, not, not her brother. She, we would have. She would have. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, definitely. Twenty one. Oh yeah, you're you're. Oh yeah, you're in. Oh, absolutely. Not even like I said. Not even a manslaughter charge. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. My God. <laughs> Regardless, though, um, after that situation, and I'm guessing after uh, she handled her little, you know outburst well her little probation oh they moved to uh huntsville alabama mm-hmm. uh it's 2003 amy took a tenure track job at the university of alabama huntsville which is referred to as the mit of the south it's it's a pretty prestigious school in terms of the sciences Ooh, okay um for those i'm not sure if tenure is a global thing but the intention with the tenure track job is that during the Essentially, they hire you for a set amount of years. And at the end, the goal is that they like you enough that they keep you on indefinitely. Tenure means we keep you on indefinitely. I'm pretty sure, like, even if a lot of people... I'm not sure if it has that name, but I'm sure they have it. Um, Yeah, and I'm pretty sure a lot of people here don't know what tenure is. Well, there you go. So I'm explaining it to anybody who's listening. Yeah. So the idea is that, like, hey, and I think her contract was six or seven years long. Mm. And it was just like, hey... You know, at the end of this time period, we will evaluate your experience, you know, your work here. See if you deserve to be a part of this community forever, pretty much. Um, I'll have to tell you that the answer to that is no, she didn't. But I'll explain why soon. Um, She and her husband, Jim, began to work on an invention for an automated cell incubator. And I'm going to let you know that I did not at all look into what that is. God. A little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Okay, so... Give me a little sprinkle. The president of the university um, was reported, like, in an article saying that this cell incubator would change the way that biological and medical research was conducted. And that's all I got for you. So... But you know, I'm just gonna, I'm, you know, I'll get, I'll give you a Google. I just want to know what what was it supposed to do. That's all I. Whoa. Whoa. Automated cell incubator. See, whenever you do Googles for things like this, it just gives me a lot of words I don't understand. Because <laughs> I am not I am not big in the sciences. I love science. I just don't understand it all. I mean, when you say incubator. What is an automated cell incubator? You go, you're going to um, try to just, go. Okay, so it essentially allows a place, like a little environment for cells to grow. It's exactly what it sounds like. And we're just stupid. Um, hey, <laughs> it's an incubator. That's a why I cell said, incubator. That's why oh I my said. Gosh. That's why I said. I was like, "Well, incubator." I don't know no, you're right. An you're incubator right. is. Yeah, it's a, and so I guess you can like do testing and things in that special place. And I guess this was supposed to make it a little bit faster or do certain things automatically. Okay. Um, the problem. Okay, so here's the thing: when you are in academia, and I'm not, like I said, I don't know globally, but in America, like you're kind of expected to do certain things, right? So you have to be like hitting out the ballpark with your classes. You need to be doing like research and releasing like scholarly papers that get accepted by journals. I'm pretty sure that's And that, that is, you're considered at that point to be like, you know, doing what you're supposed to be doing. Right, you're doing your job. The problem was Amy was focused really heavily on acquiring patents for this incubator. And so she kind of like didn't write a lot at all. She actually had a bunch of like fiction books that 
weird. Oh my god. But I'll talk about those later. I can think um, of uh, over reasons for making this thing now. Um that definitely affected her status in the academic community. Um when I talked about her on my TikTok, several of her former students reached out to me from U University you of serious? Alabama Huntsville and said that she was obnoxious. Really? Yes. That's um, awesome. She though. would one, apparently she insisted that at all times, no matter what, um, you refer to her as Dr. Bishop. Um, and she, they said that she was really like nasty about it. Like if you called her like Professor Bishop, she would get like really rude with you. It's doctor. I'm a yes. doctorate. Um, but that she would also frequently like berate the students and tell them that they weren't as smart as the other, as the students at Harvard. Oh my God. She would get annoyed with and fire her graduate students who were working in her lab like very quickly. And a lot of students requested it to be transferred when they had her in a class or even as a mentor in the biology program. Dozens of her students signed a petition in 2009 that was sent to the head of the department to have her removed. Um, but it didn't actually change anything. She did have a contract. Well, shit. You could have. I think I think that little petition mattered yeah. when it came time for Tanger talk. But um, in her personal life, she was kind of struggling. Um, she had lived in Massachusetts in that area for most of her life. So she was actually away from most of her friends and family. Her career was kind of floundering. She stopped responding to her friends' calls and emails. Uh, they said she behaved erratically at times. That portable cell incubator she was working on did come in third place at a technology company competition and she got $25,000. Um, actually her husband's business raised 1.25 million to develop the machine. And then the press kind of panned it and said that it was an unnecessary and expensive. Come on. And not good for regular use. Are you where they were, was the press just jealous? I think <laughs> it, I mean, that's the thing about, like when you create like something, especially like in the medical field, it has to be something that the use goes with the cost. Right. I mean, obviously you know, the people like, who donated to it saw the use to it. Right. Yeah. But the question is, can a regular hospital purchase this item? Like how expensive mm. was it? If it's not like, I mean, medical equipment costs crazy amounts of money. True. So ask us about respirators. Mm. so also like during this time she wrote all these like she wrote a couple different novels um so i did look into some of the novels and they're weird okay so one of them she writes about this like little this woman who has like a tortured past and she like accidentally like kills her brother with a like a rock and she like talks about like the boy falling down on the ground and it really mirrors her life uh, and the experience. How so the same thing happens with this other book she was working on about a woman scientist who was working to defeat a pandemic virus while struggling with suicidal thoughts at, and um, at the thought of not earning tenure. Come on. That's not OK. We're not asking you to write about your life. Okay. <laughs> Really not. If fictional stories with the scenarios exactly line up with her life. Oh, my um, God. As far as work went, she was strangely combative 
at like committee meetings and other kinds of meetings. She would go off on these bizarre tangents. In the spring of 2009, her tenure was denied. One of the members of the tenure committee told the Chronicle of Higher Education that he had, but like he was worried about her mental health within five minutes of meeting her. Oh, wow. And he apparently didn't mince words when he discussed this. When she found out that he referred to her as crazy, she filed a complaint with the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, Mm -hmm. saying she was being discriminated against because of her gender and citing him calling her crazy because, you know, women are seen as crazy. He just said he. Nope. He didn't back down. Mm -mm. He doubled down and he said, direct quote, I said she was crazy multiple times and I stand by that. (laughs) This woman has a pattern of erratic behavior. She did things that weren't normal. She is out of touch with reality. Oh, my God. (laughs) Rose session over. He ended her whole career. Then on top of being denied tenure, because remember, tenure is part of a contract. Right. She was informed that her teaching contract would not be removed, renewed when it expired in March of 2010. Mm. Amy filed. So Amy hired a lawyer first and then she began filing appeals. Okay. Her husband said that she started fixating on this story of this man. His name was Douglas Prasher. He was a molecular biologist And his funding stopped for him in 1992. And without the funding he had to do his research, he quit science. Um, And several people he worked with actually ended up winning Nobel Prizes in 2008 based off of the research that he had been working on, but he had abandoned. So Amy had it in her mind that if she didn't get tenure, she'd end up like Prasher, who was actually selling cars in Huntsville. Oh, He was a car dealer. That's what he ended up doing. In the months before the shooting, um, Amy suffered from hallucinations, from stress. Um, She said that she had been hearing voices ever since Seth died um, and that they always coincided with her having like a severe asthma attack. Um, One day she showed up to the university and she parked outside of the admin building. She called the admin and demanded an appointment with the president of the university to discuss her tenure case they told her that he wasn't available and she wasn't allowed in the building later as she sat in her car and watched the president his name is uh, president williams and the provost uh vistas uh kabari leave the building escorted by police oh Oh, she would later call one of her friends um, named Deborah Moriarty and say, what do they think I'm going to do? Shoot the guy? Yeah. I mean, based on future events. Yeah. Based on future events. What an interesting thing to say. Yeah. Very, very interesting. A week before the shooting, she and her husband go to this place called Larry's Pistol and Pawn for target practice. They brought a weapon. Okay, so this weapon had been bought legally in New Hampshire and given to Jim while they lived in Massachusetts so that they could avoid Massachusetts gun laws. And that, my friends, is the crux of the problem with gun laws in America. Yeah, my God. 
So, yes, they weren't even allowed to legally have that gun in Massachusetts. So they definitely weren't allowed to have it in Alabama. Wait, what kind of gun? What was it? Um, Give me a second. It was a nine millimeter handgun. That's it? I believe called a Ruger. A Ruger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Listen, I don't know the names. They of couldn't guys. have it in Massachusetts. Listen, they're just laws, like laws that remind you. I believe one of the <clears throat> laws in Massachusetts has to do with like a person in crisis not being allowed to have a gun, oh. which actually makes perfect sense. Oh, like if you are in an okay. emotional state or have gone okay. through something traumatic, that now's not the time for you to get away. I mean, she, you need to like take a break. Honestly, she should never have bought, been right. able to buy a gun ever. Nope. Ever after, you know. And she didn't have it legally either. Exactly. It was given to them by their friend in New Hampshire. You can't just be giving people guns. That's not a thing. That's another thing, too. Whenever people are like, oh, this was a gift. That's $450. What are you talking about? <laughs> guns are not cheap. They're not. <clears throat> Even, like, I've looked into, like, some of the cheaper models, like, personally for myself. Mm. And I've been, like, and I've looked at the reviews and stuff. And, like, the cheap ones are garbage. And, like, the ones you want in terms of, like, home, self-defense, like home defense are actually quite expensive. Yeah. So I'm like, well, look at me. I guess I'll never have one. <laughs> We're just going to have to deal with, I don't know, knives and throwing things at an intruder. That's why I like knives. <laughs> um, so uh, it's February 12th, 2010. Amy arrives at uh, University of Alabama, Huntsville. She teaches her anatomy and neuroscience class. According to students who were there that day, she seemed pretty normal. Then she went to a biology department faculty meeting on the third floor of the Shelby Center for Science and Technology. It was a pretty normal faculty meeting with about 12 people there. Mm -hmm. She sat quietly for about 40 minutes and then pulled out a 9mm handgun. Uh, A little bit before, I think it was 3.40pm Central Time. And she began methodically executing her coworkers at close range. Oh, so whoever was sitting next to her got her first. Yep, basically. the first five people she shot didn't have much time. Oh god! Um, the other people um, dropped to the ground immediately mm-hmm. after firing shovel shots. Amy turned her gun on her friend Deborah Moriarty. Oh come on! Who was dean of the graduate program and a biochemistry professor? Um. Deborah recalls Amy pulling the trigger, but only hearing a click. And like she also remembers like Amy just looking angry. And then when the gun jammed, she looked at it and she was kind of confused. Um, Deborah took this moment to like get up and walk over to her and try and talk to her. Um, and some of the other teachers who were there said that like that honestly was like a moment that saved people's lives. Um, okay. Once once the gun proved, this was almost kind of like, you know how you're in like a video game mm-hmm. and you're like, this gun doesn't work. Guess I'll throw it away. That's kind of what Amy did here in this situation. She was just like, well, I've broken it, so I'm going to dip. Um, There was chaos all over the building at this point. Um, She ditches the gun in a bathroom on the second floor and then she calls her husband to come pick her up. Oh, my God. No yep see if i was as soon as she left the building she was arrested (laughs) yes okay there you go while she is getting like handcuffed and pushed in the car um reporters 
who are very fast to get to places. <laughs> of course. Um, quoted her as saying, it didn't happen. There's no way. There's no way. They're still alive. Police also grabbed her husband while they were there because they were like, let's just make sure he wasn't involved. What does she think she shot them with? A, a Nerf gun? A water gun? Wait till you see how that ties into oh my God. her defense. Okay. But, um, they, they picked up her husband too, Jim, and they were like, so did you know this was going to happen today? Um, and he was like, no, she literally just called me. Like He showed him his phone and everything. Mm. And they're like, he wasn't charged with anything. Um Actually, after she was arrested, people were worried that she might have booby-trapped a science building with a biological bomb that was intent to spread the herpes virus. This is because, one, she did postdoctoral research on the herpes virus, and two, in the third novel, I've now mentioned three novels, right? Yes, you did. This is the third one. Yes. In one of her other novels, she discussed a device of that type, spreading a virus around the world that was based off of the herpes virus oh my fucking and God. people. Ma'am. <laughs> I just said her books are exactly about her real life. She probably wanted to do that. That's probably her last ditch effort. I'm going to, okay, if I can't shoot nobody, I'm going to go home, make this bomb, and we're going to plant this shit. Well, uh, it didn't, that device didn't exist. Of course. The police had already looked through the building, but I just think that's really interesting that they're like, so, um, she wrote this book about a bomb that that releases a virus into a building. Yeah, can you check and make sure she didn't really do that? Like her first two books, they were about her life, and this third one is kind of like similar. Right, exactly. So can you like help us? Well, when all was said and done, um, three faculty members died. Um, uh, his name was Gopi Padilla, chairman of the biology department. Uh, Maria Raglan Davis and Adriel Johnson Senior, who are both biology professors. Three more were uh, seriously injured and hospitalized. Uh, Luis Cruz Vera, Joseph Lay, they were both bio professors, and Stephanie Monticiolo. Monticiolo. Um, she was an assistant, like a grad assistant. Okay. Um, TA. No students TA. were harmed uh, when this happened. Uh, that late after she was arrested, Jim called Judy. And told her the police had taken Amy into custody, but he wasn't sure why. And Judy immediately asked, Jim, do you have a gun in your house? <sighs> yes. Almost as if Judy knows more about what happened in 1986. Imagine that. So shortly after this arrest is when they reopened the case on her brother in 2010 that we discussed earlier. Mm -hmm. One of the details in the police report that stands out is that um, after arresting her brother, arresting her for her brother's death, they found a box of 24 rounds on her bed. Four were missing. Um, if you recall, one was shot in the mirror. One was shot at her brother. One was in her jacket pocket. The other one was in the... And one more was in the gun. Yeah. Which means the only way that... The thing is, especially it was a 12-gave rifle. This is a, like a standard, not an automatic rifle. Mm. So that means that she would have had to essentially cock it open. Yeah. Uh -huh put another one in and then sling it back mm -hmm. after she shot her brother. Because mm -hmm. she knew she was doing. Exactly. Um, that does not lend itself to her claims that there was only one in the chamber. So either there was only, there was essentially, so either there was only, she's lying about there only being one in the chamber or she loaded it again as she left the house. 
Yeah, so she which did. meant she was damn sure going to shoot those people. I was about to say she was going to use it at the auto she shop. She was going to use it at that dealership. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Yeah, dealership. Now, originally, the media described her as this weird professor who'd snapped, which were the articles that I kind of came across when I was looking her up last month. Um, but once they reopened that case, public perception shifted. Now she, she had a pattern. She pattern of a murderer, attempted murder, assault. Seth's death was the beginning of a series of warnings that had been ignored because she was a white woman in academia. Hmm. Old colleagues and neighbors came forward describing fights they had with Amy that were caused by very trivial things. Um, a trustee at the University of Alabama told the New York Times, people kept sweeping her bad behavior under the rug and now we're paying a tremendous price. Even her lawyer agreed and told the press that something was wrong with her and that her history speaks for itself. Oh, damn. While Amy's being <clears throat> crucified in the media, so is mom. Um, they pointed out, like, listen, you used your position in Braintree to let a murderer walk free. So while Amy is in prison for the University of Alabama shooting, they she gets indicted for her brother's death on it's June 16th, 2010. Her parents released a statement saying they weren't sure about what happened in Alabama, but they knew that Seth's death was an accident. Okay. Two days later, while in jail, jail, Amy breaks open a razor and cuts her wrists. Uh. And um, as the saying goes, this was uh, down the river, not across. Yeah. She knew exactly what she was doing and she was trying to kill herself. Uh, of course. And was almost very effective. Um, had she not been found by a guard, they said she had about four more minutes left before she would have perished. Um, her court-appointed attorney, uh, Alabama lawyer Roy Miller, decided the best way to save Amy's life was to spend 18 months working on an insanity defense for her. She originally asked to be executed. Mainly because she didn't want to spend the rest of her life in a cell. You know, judges are not going to give you what you want. <laughs> well, her parents persuaded her to let her, lawyer, let her lawyer do what he thought was best. And they were like, listen, even if you get the, the death penalty, you're still going to spend like 20 years in a small box. Mm -hmm. Only you'll be 20 years in a small box where you're not allowed to be around anybody else. You know, yep. mm -hmm. when you're on death row, you're alone. Um. So she agreed with, she listened to the person who knew more than she did, and she entered a plea of not guilty by reason of insanity. Uh, it's great because there was also an article where the district attorney, his name was Rob Broussard, is quoted as saying, someone essentially is caught in the act and you next the next thing you know, they're insane. Oh he God. was super upset. <laughs> he was like, I'm like, no chill. I'm like, that's not a professional like quote, bud, but I feel you, buddy. He's really upset. He's really salty. He was salty. just like, you know, you get sad. I mean, this was witnesses, but now she's insane. Wow. That sodium level was so high. So remember how I told you Amy was like, saying that weird stuff when she got arrested. To this day, even now, with interviews that she's done with other people, she says she doesn't remember the shooting and that she blacked out. During, and she calls it the UAH incident. Of course, they all call it the incident. 
She also doesn't remember what happened after she shot her brother either. And when um, <laughs> I read an investigative journalist and, and uh, she, he was like, you know that like all of your bouts of amnesia all seem to coincide with these major moments. And Amy was like, well, that sometimes happens with trauma. You didn't have trauma to people. You put that pain on that <laughs> trauma. Um, weirdly enough, um, Gop- Gopi Padilla, Padilla, um, the department head who she killed, actually voted to support her for tenure. Well, you just fucked that up. So the shooting didn't actually make any sense there. No. Um, sure, it was revenge on the school, but not the actual person who had denied her tenure it, or called her crazy. Exactly. Why didn't she try like try to shoot the president or of the university or something like that? Who knows? Um, like while she, she, she was, was well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. While she was waiting her trial, she was still kind of an asshole. She mocked other inmates. Um, including the one she was living with, oh, who was on. this like overweight woman who I guess didn't have teeth. And uh, she would like tell like the guards and like other people that being around all these like people were lowering her IQ. Oh, she got beat up in there, didn't she? I don't know. I, but I know her attorney was like, you need to rein that in. Yeah, chill. Because uh, that, that can be used against you in court. Her trial was set for September 24th, 2012. But just before the trial, her attorney approached the prosecution and offered them a deal. Amy will plead guilty to capital murder if you don't seek the death penalty. She'll go to jail for life without parole. And he did this because for 18 months, he had her evaluated by doctors. And the results were all inconclusive. I think, honestly, I I don't have a direct quote here, but I remember him saying that there was like, a 1% chance that Amy Bishop could get an insanity point, like oh, an insanity damn. defense. Like he just didn't believe it. Um, and he was like, if we go to court, you're a goner girl. <laughs> so um, the prosecution were like, all right, we'll do it. So this is really interesting. I didn't know this. This is how different States are in Alabama. When you plead guilty, they read the evidence against you in court. And then you have to agree in public to what you did. So that was, that happened on her normal trial day. They were already had time for, they're like, we might as well. We already have everybody set aside to come here next week. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's September 24th, 2012. She's sitting there and they are showing photos of her murdered coworkers in court. Oh, damn. Um, She's photographed like covering her face up. Like she doesn't want to look at it. Um, the judge asks her, do you agree to plead guilty, which means you are waiving your right to an appeal? She said yes. And then she was sentenced to life in prison without possibility of parole. Now, I just told you she waived her right to an appeal she tried at a appeal. public trial. She tried to appeal, didn't she? You know it. <laughs> a couple months later, February 11th, 2013. A couple months later, come on. She claims. She had not been properly informed of what she was agreeing to when she pled guilty, <laughs> that she hadn't been informed of the range of her punishment, and that she also hadn't been informed that she was allowed to withdraw her plea before September 24th. Uh, what do you think happened? 
they said tough luck. You damn right. <laughs> <laughs> it was rejected April 26, 2013. Seeing as she was a Harvard educated doctor, mm. her claim that she didn't fully understand what they asked her to say and to read multiple times was kind of weak. Definitely. There was originally a thought that Amy would face a murder trial for Seth's death, but a couple days after her plea in Alabama, the Norfolk County DA released a statement saying they would not extradite her because Massachusetts doesn't have the death penalty. And essentially, since she's already serving a life term in Alabama, we would be requesting essentially the same charge. Yeah, exactly. Then Amy did something kind of weird, which was she told Massachusetts that she wanted a trial for Seth's death to prove her innocence. <sighs> she contacted a public defender in Massachusetts and he released a statement but she was not granted this trial. Of course. On June 28, 2012, the district attorney in Braintree, Massachusetts, told reporters that the case is over, and in regards to Amy Bishop, you can't always get what you want. Uh, um, that's a song. This was honestly probably more of a courtesy to Amy's parents because there's a theory that I've seen online a couple times in reading, and I, I honestly kind of feel like this is where it heads. Like this is it. Do you want to you want to know what I think? What you think? Um. So that day that Amy and her dad got into the fight, Judy was supposed like Judy her mom was supposed to have somebody come over, and she called that lady and told her, "Oh, you can't come over. There's been a terrible fight." Her husband Sam stormed off and he went shopping, mm-hmm. you know, to calm his nerves. Right. Um. Judy went to go do her job, you know, at the stable. Um, and that's exactly where the two of them said they were in this story. Right, right. Shopping um, in a stable. Mm-hmm. Amy went upstairs, probably. The very impulsive Amy grabbed her father's shotgun, and I think she absolutely did shoot her mirror, just like she said. Um, here's where I think it divulges. It divulges. There's some weird timeline stuff here. The way that Judy says it is that Judy got home, and then Seth pulled up right behind her. I think that Seth came home first. And I think that Amy thought that was her father. Uh, and I think Amy was prepared to shoot her father that day. So, so Zamira. I don't think she intended to kill her brother at all. So Zamira was a practice shot. I, yeah. I, yeah. She wanted, she was, um, could, I could just think about it. Like her looking in the mirror at herself, just like, we're going to aim at, boom. Mm-hmm. And then. I can see. I can see that. And not only did she intend to kill her father, she had two more rounds. And like it only she, makes. I think she intended to go to that auto shop. Yeah. And steal a car and kill somebody if she had to. And like you said, go on the run. Yeah. And like it only makes sense in this story that Seth got home before her mom. Yeah. Like if you think about it, because then she... the story yeah. of oh, I don't know how to fix it. Yeah. The other factor too is like this. This came out during the inquest into the 2000 in the 2010 um inquest which was that like i don't know if you've ever held like a shotgun before yes it's not exactly easy to pull a trigger and i learned this in this case the firearms expert in that case said that it takes five pounds of pressure it is almost impossible with that particular gun that they had to accidentally shoot it at anybody what kind of was it um they didn't they didn't say they just said it was a 12 gauge um, I'd like to know too. This is like a, this is like a pump. But yeah, it's a, it's it's yeah. like a, 
like an old like more of an old school rifle yeah okay not like a new automatic where you can have repeating shots yeah these have to be done like one by one huh because remember it was bought in the 80s it was wasn't like a, a more modern gun probably like a flintlock or something like that i don't know if it's that old but <laughs> hey, hey. Uh, yeah I, I think that i think the reason why the death was so traumatic for amy and she was so jacked up over it and I, I think she didn't intend to kill her brother at all mm. she intended to kill her father that i'm surprised at you why for having a theory i know look at me it's just a theory <laughs> okay no, <laughs> it's not it's not a game theory i'm sorry matt pat or fans of matt pat but i'm a fan of matt pat we are a fan of Matthew Patrick. But yeah, that's all I got for you. Okay. Well, I guess it's my turn. I'm ready for you. Huh. Well, that was a good one. I liked it. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting thing because like originally like i said you come across certain articles about that lady and it's very mm-hmm. oh she's just she just snapped one day and i'm like nah she's always been impulsive and aggressive and nasty mm-hmm. and then she got a gun like, <laughs> yeah like it was kind of irritating of course with the privilege and stuff and it you know it's just what can you do like some people don't think they have it but then you look at the color of skin like yeah you do <laughs> yeah, in a couple areas. she was wealthy she was <clears throat> educated yeah your mom was yep mom freaking... was wealthy mom came from wealthy people like she she had that money on her yeah, side. yeah like your family will do it every time you're pretty well off oh goodness <clears throat> okay well as many of you know i love video games i'm here you know it's funny because i'm actually wearing a shirt that is, that is all about video games uh, yeah i was trying to read that it's Perfect a, day. Wake up, play video games, eat breakfast, play video games, eat lunch, play video games, eat dinner, play video games, sleep. Yep. And then That's do it all again. Yeah. I know, right? That's an awesome day. I'd love to have a day like that. <laughs> uh, um, So, my favorite games will always be Pokemon and Legend of Zelda. Um, Games like these, they might be cute. On the surface, I see that look on your face. Like, where are you going with this? Mm-hmm. They might be cute on the surface, but if you look a little deeper into them, you'll see that they're a little dark or even spooky. Um, so I'll be going to some of these uh, the creeper creepier gaming stories today, both fact and fiction. Um, some of these stories are well known, but some I, I say some, but it's only like two stories. So it's <laughs> like one story. <laughs> they're well known. Some another one you may not know about. <clears throat> okay. Uh, uh, um, so my main for my main source today, which is hilarious because you just said it, um, is a YouTube channel. Oh, really? <laughs> it's called Game Theory. Oh, I love it. And also from some creepypastas. <laughs> well, a creepypasta. <clears throat> but yeah. Um, so I am crediting Mr. Matthew Pat Patru. Yeah, Patru. <laughs> Matthew Patrick. <laughs> and his cute little baby Ollie. Yes, he's adorable. He's doing so much stuff with him. Oh my god. 
have to <clears> check <throat> out his Twitter. <clears throat> anyway, let's start off with my favorite Pokemon. Okay. This game generally um, geared towards children, uh, kids at first, but also some you know adults. You know, I love it. I will always love it. Um, you know, we've always loved the game since we were children. It came out in 96, 97. So, I grew up on this. And, you know, ah, <laughs> it's the shit. <laughs> oh. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll have to admit that I'm not the biggest Pokemon person. Because um, you just called it Pokemon, first of all. Pokemon. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> is what we call it. Okay, listen, I'm going to be really honest with you. And I'm going to totally be outing myself as to my age right now. So, <laughs> God, this makes me feel like such a dork. I'm pretty sure I ignored Pokemon for a while. And then there was one of the early internet memes. So I heard you like my kips. Oh, my God. <laughs> that um, was third generation. That was like in 2004 or something. <laughs> that's, that was probably one of my early. Um, I'm going to say that I really didn't get into Pokemon at all. Well, that's not true. Okay, I okay, I had a cousin who was super into Pokemon, so like I did stuff like with her, like we saw the Pokemon movie and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I don't think I cared at all about it until Pokemon Go. That's for everybody. It's a lot of people are like that. <sighs> like, and legitimately, I I would call up um, one of my friends and be like, "This Pokemon looks like." exactly this animal and he's like yes and then he would like spout off all the Mm -hmm. details or then like instead of me having to like go and search for like what the evolution was i would just call him and be like so do i have this evolution already like what's the next evolution in this am i trying to get to this level it took me like eight months to get a whale lord and i love whales also can we talk about how pokemon does not have enough whales oh my god no there's not enough whales. I'm just saying. It's like my favorite animal, and they don't have that many of them. Oh, my God. Okay. And now I have the biggest one, and I don't know what else to do with myself. Uh, I also had friends, or my mom, actually, who started playing Pokemon Go, just call me like, what does it evolve into? What does this do? <laughs> Listen, what kind of Pokemon this is, is what this? y'all are useful for. Oh Your God. lifetime of being a super nerd. I'm just like, y'all just getting into this now. I've been in one of those, like... That's right. Listen, you were only... <laughs> what was it? Uh... 96, 97. No, no, no. What's that like bang quote? Um, oh, you, 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 you oh, I forget how it goes, but it's like I, I was born into this, but yes. you only adapted to it. You, you like only this. adapted to Pokemon Go. I was born into it. <laughs> yes, that's what I'm thinking about. I was I a child when it first came, when I first saw a Charizard. <laughs> oh my God. Speaking of Charizard. Ooh. Shit. Anyway. So, if any of you do not know what Pokemon is, shame on you. Get out from underneath that damn rock. Oh. <laughs> um. So, but you're playing as uh, either a boy or a girl. They ask you in the beginning. Um, on their 10th birthday, they are let out into the world of Pokemon to get their start on their own Pokemon journey. You can catch them all. Or you can battle Pokemon against Pokemon to be the best that ever was. Cute, right? Right. Well, some kids in 1996 wouldn't feel the same way. Ooh. 
after the release of Pokemon versions red and green in Japan. They were red and blue in America and they were else only red and green in uh, Japan. Um, actually, I think they were red and green in America. Whatever. It's, it, they were just red and blue in, that were released after. And this was at the time where, um, worldwide distribution wasn't a thing. Oh, right. So, right, right. so we had to wait a while. And they were like the, like, coded differently too absolutely absolutely so there was an unexpected spikes in suicides and illnesses among children around the ages of 7 to 12 the reason behind this the music that played in one of the towns in the pokemon games uh lavender town not only is the music that plays creepy but apparently, there was extremely high-pitched frequencies in the music that only children and preteens could hear. Now, there were rumors that these suicides and illnesses uh, would only happen once a child had reached Lavender Town in the game. Can you still find this music? Huh, yeah, you can look it up. Can you play it for, like... One of your little ones. Just once. Not like a lot. It won't hurt them forever. <laughs> but like just to see if they can actually hear another sound in it. Because oh. if you and I listen to it, we should. We won't be able to hear it. <laughs> you want me to experiment on my children. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know any other children in this age group other than my students. And I can't just randomly. Like would I even if I pulled it up on YouTube, would it even work? Yeah, you can probably you can still hear it. It still exists, the song, or you, do they change it? It's still the the original version from Red and Green. It still exists. Ooh. Um, so at least two hundred children supposedly took their lives or suffered from severe headaches, illnesses, um, from the music. Ouchies. Yep. No, so if you okay, maybe don't use your children to test this. Thank you. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> So if you go play Pokemon Fire Red or Leaf Green or even like Silver Gold um, Crystal, you know, where they have you go back from Johto region to the console region. Um, I want to hear it. And you, have, and you go to Lavender Town. There are different, there's like, there, there are different, ver- there's a different version of the Lavender Town song in those games. Like, the, it's different from the, the Red and Green version. Um it's the so, number one song when I cite, search this on YouTube with 13 million. Listeners. Yeah. <laughs> and probably a lot of teenagers were listening to it. Ten years ago it was posted. Yep. Um, the tone is, of course, different. Apparently, um, in 2010, a video surfaced using special software to analyze the truth. Oh, yes. <clears throat> I love the internet. Analyze, yeah, analyze the tune when played. The software made images that were of the alphabet Pokemon unknown. Have you seen an unknown before? They're like little hieroglyphic, hieroglyphic type of po- uh, letter and little eye, one eyeball. Alphabet Pokemon unknown? It's not spelled unknown. It's spelled unown. Oh, oh you're right. I put in UN and it pulled it up. Mm-hmm. Oh, I have seen them. Yes, they look like um like wingdings, but a little with eyes. Yeah, there you go, wingdings. Um, I didn't know what they were called, but yeah, I've seen these before. 
But so the song is playing the keys of these creatures. No, no, now why? Okay, so if you don't, you don't know anything about unknown, but anybody I just who does seeing a couple of them in different shows and stuff. Unown are actually second gen Pokemon. Uh-huh. This is we're I'm talking about a first generation game, so this is the very first Pokemon game. So like, it was hidden. So why would second generation Pokemon be in a first generation Pokemon game? What if it was like a spo- like a, a Easter egg for the future game? Possibly, or something a little bit more, a little bit more sinister. <laughs> there you go, sinister. <clears throat> well, the unown. In this video, they spelled out words for the uh, player that said, leave now. And that's basically the end of that story. Now, of course, the majority of the story is a creepypasta. Not true at all. Um, I mean, they did change the theme music, uh, the music for Lavender Town. Um you know, throughout the games, but you can just chalk that up to a video game evolving. Uh, <laughs> I couldn't help it. I just, I wrote it and I was like, oh, pun. I didn't even mean it. Uh, also, don't get me started on the Pokedex entries. Um, I could spend the whole episode just talking about how creepy some of these Pokemon are and how. Some Pokemon were once human, and how they died, and how some Pokemon just love to kill people, and how some like to kidnap children. We don't want to... I'm not getting into that right now. No, we're not <laughs> going to do that? That sounds fun. Not right now. Okay. <clears throat> so, that was my first story. Oh, well, my, there we go. That was se- good. That was good. I thought it was real. Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> I loved it. I loved your reactions. I was very excited. Now, my second story has a little bit more truth in it than the Pokemon. Actually, it it's actually a theory. Okay. A game theory. <laughs> so I'm going to move on to the meat of this creepy sandwich. Okay. Actually, I don't have an end to it. Actually, I do have an end to it, but whatever. It's a creepy open face sandwich. There you go. Um. <laughs> That's the stupidest thing I think I've ever said. <laughs> whatever. It's, it's a lot of meat in it. It has, it has two buns. One's just a little thinner than the other one. Mm-mm. So I'm going to... Like I said, move on to the meat of this creepy sandwich by uh, bringing up one of the most lore, I guess, hidden lore type of games that I've ever seen. And it's like the lore is just once you think you have it, you don't have it because it's that confusing. Do you know a game I am talking about? Are you talking about that Zelda game? I'm not talking about Zelda game. Oh, thank God. I'm not talking about Majora's Mask. No, no. Okay, not talking about Majora's Mask? Okay. No, that's a creepypasta. Yeah, <laughs> I know. I was like, please, let's not talk about that one. N- not today. Maybe I'll read it maybe another time. <clears throat> it's a weird one. No, talking about freaking Five Nights at Freddy's. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a real life story. You told me about it. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I told you the whole story, but. I mean, I was like, it's based off a real thing. And you were yeah. like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's really kind of where that conversation ended. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, now, there, there are, you know, I don't want to say. There are better games with, you know, a lot more uh, easier found lore, at least. Oh, now, right. This this what you were reading all those books for? Look, no, but I I mean, I do read the books for the lore. 
and I watched and I played, you know, the games for lore and you stuff like that. You were reading these books for quite Look, some time. I just finished the the newest book that came out last week. Don't judge me. It was it was okay. Listen, <laughs> if you're happy. Oh, but this store, this game, has a I guess a real life counterpart. I could say. Um, so at least the first, the first, the first five nights of Freddy's does. <clears throat> so if you're still living under that rock from Pokemon and you do not know anything about five nights at Freddy's. Okay. Here's the thing. If you don't have any children and you don't have anything to do with any children and you also don't watch any video game players on the internet, okay. and you haven't watched them for the last decade. You don't know this show. Five nights at Freddy's is not a kid's game but they're obsessed with it <laughs> yes they are my they kid. are when i remember when it like came out i remember my kids talking about the same thing with the kids they loved bendy and the ink machine also not a game for children no it's not it's quite <laughs> creepy and frightening and if i remember i'm pretty sure your daughter yesterday sat next to you and was like oh let's watch all these dead people kill people yeah i told her i was playing final uh was it not final fantasy freaking resident evil eight and she was like okay and i was like there's gonna be zombies in it they're gonna like kill people and stuff there's gonna be a lot of blood and stuff she's like okay and i was like all right girl <laughs> let's go let's get so, it so like i said these kids are they're very into these my kids stuff. still like five nights at freddy's ask them about foxy and chica and stuff like that yeah ask them ask them that's well, how you know about very it. cute there's some cute plushies yeah um let me explain the plot of the first FNAF game if you're if you're new to this so you're a new night guard coming in to work for a Chuck E. Cheese type restaurant um Chuck E. Cheese if anybody doesn't know what Chuck E. Cheese is oh, from a very weird restaurant from around the world Chuck E. Cheese is a a child casino type place um not wrong (laughs) it's basically a child casino where you go you know have birthday parties with your kids and it's an arcade yeah there you go it's 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 a a child casino arcade um Um, you get pizza um they sing to you and there are these very large ugly like the only I think they're cuter animatron- now. They are better looking now, but I looked at some of the old ones going back like 50 years. Yeah, I saw those. And I, they are heinous. Yeah, I was looking them up too. So there are about five animatronics in uh, Chuck E. Cheese. And they pretend to sing and dance and yeah. like yeah, so we talk ha- to you. We have Chucky, who's a mouse rat, whatever. He is indeed. And then there's this duck. I don't know her name. Um, there's a dog oh you're right there is a dog i forgot all yep. about him there's a purple monster slash dinosaur looking thing yeah he looks kind of like grimace from I, I whenever i see him i think of grimace yeah um, and then there's a chef yeah yeah wow yep you remember those way more than i <laughs> look i went to chuck e cheese a few times in my life <laughs> <laughs> uh so chucky's even made a FNAF reference in her training handbooks. I don't remember that. FNAF, Fine Nights of Freddy. Um, 
Yeah, so it's uh, it was it's funny. You can check it on Twitter uh, for Chuck E. Cheese or not Chuck E. Cheese. I think somebody posted it on Twitter. Um, so there's a picture of their handbook, and it says how Chuck E. Cheese has facial like the animatronics. They have facial recognition <laughs> in them. Oh yeah, no, no, I know that. And that they attack anyone at night after hours who isn't wearing a Chuck E. Cheese costume head. Because the animatronic might think that they're a criminal. Mm. Now, this is not true, of course, because, you know, <laughs> they were just... This sounds like a copy poster. It's just uh, they were just doing a play off of uh, Financial Freddy's 2 when you had to bring your security card there and you had to put on a Freddy Fazbear hat, uh, costume head so the animatronics don't think you're um, an adult. So they don't Protect attack you. you. Yeah. So there are a lot of correlations between these two uh, places. Um, anyway, the role of the night guard in Financial Freddy 1 is basically to watch over the restaurant and not die. Yep. Why not die? Because the animatronics in this restaurant roam around and, like, will just straight up stuff you and the night guard into an animatronic suit. They, now, they only notice your, like, skeleton and think you are, like, a... A doll. They, they think you're an animatronic without a suit. Yeah, they think you're an endoskeleton. There you go. Good um, words. <laughs> they think you're an endoskeleton without a suit, so they try to stuff you into a suit. Which but would the, kill you because there's metal in there. Yes, which is the problem because inside these suits that they try to stuff you in, there are metal cross beams and wires and stuff, and as soon as they, you're stuffed into one, you fucking die. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> An accurate uh, perception there. Yeah. So, survive for five nights, and you may or may not be the next king or queen of Five Nights at Freddy's. Well, let's also reference here that um, every night it gets more difficult for you to survive in the game. This is true. Uh, The animatronics move faster. uh, The timer that you're on you have to survive until like six in the morning six a.m yep it uh the amount of power you use to view the machines because apparently this store runs on battery yeah um also goes by faster it's a very frustrating game to actually play it's it's yeah it's interesting um and that's what the big the big thing was one there were a lot of jump scares Mm -hmm. which are always good for youtube fodder but also for the people who are like obsessive with games, it was beating the five nights, then unlocking the six nights, super hard nights, yep. and then beating those. And those like really hard, like hardcore mode nights, you have to rely on sound triggers yep. of the things moving around. <clears throat> you can't even look at the cameras. Nope. You just have to listen and know when to shut a door. Or turn something off, or things of that nature. Actually, so the skill the... there is way past what I can do in a game. You have to look I'm at the camera a for Stardew Foxy. Valley kind of gal. It's okay. Can I like garden? Just pilot a boat for like six hours. Not That's in what this I want to do in my game. Can Sorry. I make my little sim people <clears throat> walk around and cheat on each other? That's what <laughs> I would also like to do. Oh my god! 
Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I am not a Five Nights at Freddy's player. There are characters in this game besides the Night Guard. Um, you have Freddy Fazbear, who is the bear mascot of the Freddy Fazbear's pizzeria. Um, then you have Bonnie, who is a rock star type of little, rabbit. Yeah. He's a blue rabbit. He plays a guitar. Um, you have Chica, the chicken, chicken slash duck. She's a chicken, I think. And she it has makes a sense because it's alliterative. Chica the chicken, but she yeah. looks kind of like a duck. Yeah. Um. And she has a little cupcake that she carries around. Um. And then there's Foxy, who hides out in Pirate Cove, which is out of order all the time. Is that why your username is Foxy Trainer? No, I like foxes. Oh, okay. Because I was like, wait a second. I love Foxy. No, I like Fox Pokemon. That's why Fox Right, train- okay, that makes sense. Much more <laughs> sense. Fox Pokemon and you are a Pokemon trainer. Hey, gotcha, gotcha. Look at this. Look at you. <laughs> That's what I thought, but then my brain just went, is there a tie-in? <clears throat> no. I-, I liked this before Financial Freddy's. Anyway. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> now, like Brittany said, this game is jump scary. Um, Now, like I mentioned before, there's a counterpart, a real-life counterpart, maybe there might be a real life counterpart this is a theory um to this chucky e. cheese i mean not this, this friday nights or freddy's and oh i didn't and, think and it was a maybe i thought that was like it, it's a theory but it's an actual true story that mm-hmm. happened um so i will be going into that and i'm sorry for stepping on your toes but it is a murder so That's it's right. murders Look at you joining the murder party. Oh my Listen, god! I had a theory. You got a murder. <laughs> I know, You're right? Going all over the place, <laughs> fast and loose. Okay, so the year is 1993, December 14th, 1993 to be exact, in Aurora, Colorado, at the local Chuck E. Cheese restaurant. They were getting ready to close up. Severe Crowell, Crow, Crow. I'm gonna say Crow, Crowell, Crow. Maybe Crow. I don't know how to pronounce names. I'm sorry. Crow. Sylvia Crow, Ben Grant, Colleen O'Connor, Bobby Stevens, and Marge Colbert um, were all doing their closing side work. Bobby in the kitchen, Marge in the manager's office, and the three servers were in the dining room. <clears throat> so five people in the restaurant. Or so they thought. Unbeknownst to them, there was one other person there, 19-year-old Nathan Dunlap, who had been fired about seven months prior after he had a disagreement with a supervisor over his schedule. Ah, these disagreements. There's just so many disagreements. Yeah, no, right. So he was hiding out in the restroom after he had ordered a, a sandwich and after he had played some games in the arcade. So they let him just come in even though he had a fight with the manager? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't the manager that had fired him wasn't on shift that night. Oh, okay. So he comes in, I think it's at 9 9 p.m. He orders a sandwich and then he goes and then plays the games and then at a certain time he hides out into the bathroom. So at 10.05 p.m., Dunlap begins his assault. Stepping out of the bathroom, he first shoots Sylvia who was cleaning the salad bar. Oh. Next is Ben, who was vacuuming the floor and was shot near his eye. Um, next, it was Colleen. So this is all in the same area. They're all in the dining room area. So Colleen, you know, seeing what was happening, she begged for her life to be spared, but Dunlap 
you know, she was on her, I guess it says she was on her knees or something like that. Um, he shot her through the top of her head. Huh. Next, he moves to the kitchen where Bobby was coming back from a smoke break. And he, I guess he told reporters or somebody um, that he thought the noises were children popping balloons. So. Also, I got to say, like, generally, the place is pretty loud. Yeah. But they were closing, so they were doing the closing good. side work. So I think yeah. they had so they closed probably up. probably shut off all the machines and stuff. Yeah, probably. So why would he think they were popping balloons? I'm not sure. That's that that's the one that's a little, little bit. Sounds sus. <laughs> the red is sus. Exactly. Oh, God. So Dunlap, he fires a shot at Bobby and it hits him right in the jaw. He then... Next... Next, he moves to the manager's office where Marge was. Um, he forces her to unlock the safe. After it's open, he shoots her in the ear. And then again in her other ear after he sees her moving as he's loading up his bag with the money from the <clears throat> safe. <clears throat> so, unknown to Dunlap, Bobby wasn't dead. He just fell to the ground and like played. He he just went limp and faked, you know. Well, that's good. Faked for his him. death. You're yeah. alive. Yeah. So Bobby he escaped and ran to the nearest apartment complex and told someone he found that he and his co-workers had been shot. Dunlap fled with fifteen hundred dollars worth of cash and game tokens. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> It's not a casino. You can go to any Chuck E. Cheese and use those, though. They're going to be looking for you, bro. Oh, well, now, yeah. So you're going to sell them on the black market? Listen, I got $500 in tokens. I'm done with I'll you. I'll give them to you for two fifty. <laughs> <laughs> what was he going to do with all these fucking tokens? Some of the kids or some of the kids or something. I so don't know. my question <laughs> here is, <laughs> how much actual cash was even there? I am not sure about that. Probably barely anything. I mean, <laughs> restaurants they usually carry about thousand fifteen. It might be just fifteen hundred. Okay, the, so they're saying the tokens didn't have any value. If yeah, they're saying he got fifteen hundred in cash. Yeah, and that might have been it. Because I know, like restaurants, they might. I don't know how Chuck E. Cheese how busy their other business well, works. I only wonder because, like you <clears> know, <throat> people are so used to just using their debit cards and stuff for these purchases now. I mean, but this is in '93, so oh, true. Okay, not as much as we do now. Yeah, not as digital as we are now. Exactly. Um. <clears throat> So, he was later found at his mother's house, 12 hours later. Of course, that's exactly where you should go. Yeah. I guess, well, he's 19 years old, so I'm, I'm assuming he just lived with his mom. Uh-huh. He didn't <clears throat> run a hotel room or nothing. No. He didn't try and hide out. He went straight home. No. Oh, and yeah, I'm yeah. guessing the fact that they saw him on the camera added to you know they got his description and everything and so they went straight to his you know his mom's house and he was arrested (laughs) this is just as bad as uh, amy bishop calling her husband and being like come get me oh my god like she's just gonna be able to walk out of there like there was no problem yeah so at his trial bobby even testified against dunlap who was found guilty of four counts of first degree murder uh attempted murder and other charges um, <clears throat> he was then sentenced to death. Ooh. 
His execution date was in 2013, but it was postponed by the Colorado governor. And then his death sentence was commuted to life without parole in 2002, or 2020, my bad, um, since Colorado abolished the death penalty. Oh, yeah. Okay. Commuted sentence. That's been happening a lot around the country. Mm -hmm. Now, what do these two stories have in common? Well, for one, the crime happened in 1993. Um, uh, When Five Nights at Freddy's 1 takes place, it's in between 1991 and 1996. Yeah, because so, the second one is the whole Bite of 80. Was Bite of 87 is the thing they yeah, keep referencing. It's a, it's a prequel. The second one's a prequel one yeah. to the first one. But yeah, so the, the first one is happens in between 91 and 96. So this one, this story ends up like right in the middle of, you know, when this happened. Um, and obviously, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria is an allegory for Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. Um, next one, the victims. Yeah. There are five victims in the game. There are five victims in the story. Um, now... If you're counting with me, I only mentioned four animatronics. Well, you also only mentioned four people, too. I did not. There are five people there are five people at the Chuck E. Cheese restaurant, right? Right. Now four of them died. One of them survived. Right. Okay. okay. Now in Five Nights at Freddy's, there are four main animatronics. You got Foxy, Bonnie, Chica, Freddy. Mm-hmm. Four. But there's another animatronic. It's Golden Freddy. It's Golden Freddy. Golden Freddy only appears in certain conditions are met, I believe, or just actually he he appears randomly. Um, <clears throat> now think about it. Golden Freddy. He's not like any other animatronics. He's limp. He's lifeless. It's like he's playing dead. Which other person was playing dead? Bobby. Don't shake your head at me. Bobby is playing dead. It's just a theory. It's, it's a theory. theory. Look here. Now, Goldie Freddy, he does jump scary. He, like, he appears out of nowhere. Dunlap wasn't expecting Bobby to survive that attack. So Bobby appearing at his trial to testify against him. Wait, he didn't even know that deep in that? No. He appeared out of nowhere. He got him caught up. Brutal. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm just saying. There's also a camera in the game that doesn't work. Right, there's always one that's broken. It's the one in the kitchen. Yes. Where was Bobby at? In the kitchen. I thought he was hiding in the bathroom. No, Bobby, no. I've confused all the characters. Yes, you have. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh my god, Dunlap was the shooter. Okay? Dunlap's the shooter. He was hiding in the bathroom. Yeah, Bobby whole- was the cook. This explain okay, so honestly, I feel like, okay, Freddy Fazbear has definitely got an idea from this, but mm. some of the fan-made games really tapped more into this than the original FNAF did. Mm. Because there's, a, I remember there being a, a, a whole fan-made game where there's like a something hiding in the bathroom and you're walking around the whole building and, huh. So I think a lot of fans probably really tapped into what they, you have they might and have. the lore and stuff. 
and created their own, I guess, creepy version of what really happened. No, this is all, of course, from Matthew Patrick. <laughs> Watched it. Well, he was obsessed. I mean, I mean he, he still created is. created some of the most in like in depth. All his theories are games, great. Like theories on these games, they they were wild. Now, I know I talked about Golden Freddy, but what about the other animatronics? Bonnie, he always appear. He often appears in the utility closet, where the cleaning supplies are found. Who was vacuuming the floor that night? Where he was cleaning? Ben Grant. Foxy, the most aggressive, who likes to run at you and slams on your door. True. <clears throat> he hides in the back of the building. Wh- which one of the victims was hiding in the back? March, mm. the manager. When you think of a manager, you think, you know, they're not normally aggressive, but, you know, they're the ones who take care of business. Right, right, right. Um, um, I think, who was it? Chica was... So she's she's mainly you think when you when you see Chica you think of food because she's she has a little the ape she has the bib on that says let let's eat and she has a cupcake so you think of food who was dealing with food that night Sylvia salad bar yeah um and Matthew he didn't really have a correlation for Freddie and um Colleen but. Freddie is often found in the women's room, and Colleen was a woman. I mean, it's a loose, it's loosely based. It's not really a you know thing that you could you know. It's just. I mean, it's 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 how that stuff goes. Yeah, you know. but that's the thing. Um, now, let me let me just soothe some people who may may not be fans of financial Freddies. Um, these theories were made six years ago. Yeah. When FNAF like first came out, okay? Oh, right. So <laughs> there I know there are different theories now about the, you know, obviously right. we all, have changed. We know the backstory of the first game and everything now, but I'm just saying like if don't 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 come and kill me, okay? Um but because I do love FNAF and I do love theories. <laughs> so, I'm going to end this with some of some creepy pokemon pokedex entries so okay. this is like the thinner so there are three parts yeah, you're talking I, about there's no sandwich i said it was a thin sandwich <clears throat> let me find a good one for you i'm here i'm ready all right do you know what a bayonet is uh, I don't, not off the top of my head, no. Or Bayonet. Nope. Alright, Bayonet is a doll Pokemon. It looks, it's that. Zat. Oh. That's what Bayonet is. That doesn't so, look cute at all. It's an evolution of Shuppet. Um, hmm. So, Bayonet is what it says in this Pokedex entry for Black 2 and White 2. A doll that became a Pokemon after the grudge of being thrown away. It seeks out the child who disowned it. To do what? What do you plan on doing to that child? To get your revenge? Hmm. That's really sad, actually. It's pretty creepy. Um, pretty sad, yes. Another sad one. Yamask. 
Okay. Do you know? You, I don't think you know what a yaw mask is. It's this little sad looking boy right there. I hate all of the Pokemon that have are too humanistic looking. I hate all the little fighter ones. I think it looks weird. I like the animals. So I hate all of them that look too human. Oh my god. The Pokedex entry for Yamask from Pokemon Black. Um, each of them carries a mask that used to be its face when it was human. Sometimes they look at it and cry. Oh, that's sad. Very sad. Like, that broke my heart when I first read it. I was like, oh my god, are you serious? I'm playing like a dead child. It's a dead person. <clears throat> I don't think we need to go into Cubone. Don't. Well, no, Cubone's cute. Yeah, but do you know Cubone's backstory? No. Cubone. It always wears the skull of its dead mother. So no one has any <laughs> idea what its hidden face looks like. No clue that that is the skull of its dead mother. You didn't know that? No. Never. Yeah. <clears throat> Which is really fucking sad. There are theories about that as well. That Cubone is actually a baby Kangaskhan. That kind of is a side evolution to Kangaskhan or something like that. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> Everyone's related to Kangaskhan. <laughs> Kangaskhan. <laughs> I know, but I know you said that, but it made me think of Kangaskhan. Oh my god. Supposedly his DNA is all over the world. It really is. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Drowsy. It remembers every dream it eats. It really eats the dreams of adults because children's are much tastier. Okay, why wouldn't you eat the the ones that aren't? I, I also read a Pokedex entry for it that it like if you feel like I guess shorter breath in your sleep, it's because there's a drowsy over your head sucking up eating your dreams. A people? It eats dreams. Drowsy is a dream eater. Okay. It's in like it's shaped yes, like Yes, yes, I get that. I know what it looks like. Okay. <laughs> it looks like a sloth. It looks like an anteater. It's got a long nose, like an anteater nose. Yes, exactly. So, so it, I don't know why I said sloth. It looks like an anteater. You're correct. It's got an anteater face. I love it. Who knows where sloth came from? Oh, my goodness. You're adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Oh, my goodness. Sorry. Hold on a sec. No, stop. I have other ones. <laughs> So is my stupid tablet stop messing up? <clears throat> Ooh, phantom. Now, do you know um, what a drift loom is? I'm looking at a picture. Oh, yeah, they're so cute. <laughs> it's like a balloon with arms and a little cloud on its head. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you want to you read your Pokedex entry? Sure. Okay. Hold on a sec. <laughs> no, stupid. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Technical difficulties. I'm like, is that what the Pokedex says? That sounds really weird. Like, no, stupid. Yes, that's exactly what it says. <laughs> oh, goodness. My, my tablet's being absolutely fucking weird. Anyway. <laughs> let me find it. Let me find it. Stop. Okay. Um. No, that's not the one I want. You know which one I want. Stop. <clears throat> okay, this is from basically every generation except for black and white, apparently. 
<clears throat> no, I'm trying to read one. I'm trying to get a good one. Hold on. Okay. These Pokemon are called the signposts of want or for wandering spirits. Children, children holding them sometimes vanish. No. Stories go that it grabs the hands of small children and drags them away to the afterlife. It dislikes heavy children. Uh, well, I've always been good then. Eh? <laughs> you and your little self would have been. Yeah, spooked. I would have been got. Drifting would have got me. There are like a lot of Pokemon. Like there's um, there are a few ghost Pokemon mm-hmm. um that basically just want to kill you. Um, like Lampent. I love that little guy. And Lampet's adorable, right? <laughs> the spirits it absorbs feel its bioful fire. It hangs around hospitals, waiting for people to pass on. Oh, that's sad. Uh, um, it arrives near the moment of death and steals spirit from the body. Bro, that's not okay. <laughs> Like, uh, there, there's one, there's a, there's another, there's a sword Pokemon, uh, either Dewblade or, I forget the, the pre-evolution to it, I'm sorry, I know I'm Whenever sucking right now. I think right about, now. like, an active sword, I think about that, uh, anime, um, Soul Eater, mm. and that talking sword that everyone hated. Oh, Excalibur? Yeah, Excalibur was the most obnoxious person, and they're like... No one can handle me. I'm like, yeah, because you're annoying. Yeah. But um, I know that I remember the pre-evolution of Dewblade. It would wrap its... So it has a little scarf on it. On the, oh. On its hilt, right? Okay. And that's supposed to be its hand. Um, So it wraps its hand around its user. Okay. And it basically gradually steals away their life force. That sounds like a D&D weapon. It's probably. Like a cursed item. Oh, my God. Sure, it's, it's, it's strong, a curse bleed. Slowly dying. Yeah, it is a curse bleed. But there we go. There we go. That's what I got for this week. I hope, good night. I hope, even came up with a name. You ready? What's the name? Higher dedication. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, I love fake puns for this episode. But yeah, it was a good a good two hours like usual. <laughs> Um, thanks to the now apparently roughly thousand weekly listeners. Yeah, we always appreciate you guys listening to us ramble on and talk and discuss creepy and weird stuff and murdery stuff. That's right. <laughs> Viva murder. No, no, that's just no. <laughs> that doesn't make sense going together. Viva no. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Oh gosh. Um, but if you guys want to see more of us, you can always check us out on TikTok. Uh Brittany, specifically on TikTok. Caught podcast. It's just me. Uh with my videos about horrible things. You yes. Know how it goes. Um, I am also on TikTok at Creeps with Brian. I'm- Make him add him, people, so then we can do lives together. If he gets a thousand people, we can do a live stream together. I'm going to try to post more Pokemon Pokedex entries on there. Or more oh, creepy, absolutely you should. Or creepy gaming stuff will be great, too. Totally. Um, 
Let's see. I also stream on Twitch. Uh, it's under the, fa- the handle of Foxy Trainer. That's right. Um, I just started playing Resident Evil 8. I got pretty far in it for the first run. Yeah. Um, I I really want to just keep playing it now. And I I usually just stream on Sundays, but I'm going to try to see if I can squeeze in another day so I can play. Uh, um, and you can also email us at cultpodcast.com. Uh, oh my god caught podcast at gmail.com and we'll shout you out in an episode if you say something cool and there you go what Brittany said you can always leave us a voicemail on anchor.fm when killers get caught I'm not even even, just look in the show notes and you'll find all the links (laughs) (laughs) oh my goodness leave us a review thank you so much for listening yes always leave those five star reviews and five star ratings and uh, leave us a review because we'd like to hear from you guys. And yeah. That's it. I hope you guys have a great evening. Good night.